Welcome to the Mapped Out Money Podcast, where we help you understand finance and manage your money so you can get on with living your adventure. You're listening to episode number two. Sunk cost has repeatedly had a big impact in mine and Nick's life, and I think it it will for everybody because with the internet and how fast things change, we're all forced to make decisions really quickly. And almost every decision we make is eventually going to bring up some sort of sunk cost dilemma. And maybe before we get too deep into this episode, we should define what sunk cost is. And in my mind, it kind of has two different definitions. One is the business and kind of proper economics version. I'll just read that from Investopedia. It says, A sunk cost is a cost that has already been incurred and cannot be recovered. So that's like the formal definition, but I like this one from youarenotsosmart.com, where they defined it in a way that made more sense to me on more of a human level. They started with this misconception that we make rational decisions based on the future value of objects and investments or experiences. But the truth is that most of our decisions are tainted by an emotional investment that we accumulated along the way. And the more that we invest into something, be it with money or time, the harder it becomes to abandon it. I think we see this topic coming up in all sorts of areas of our lives, whether it's deciding whether or not to get rid of certain clothes in our closet or deciding whether or not to keep a car that we have a big car payment on or deciding whether or not to move houses when we've bought one that we really can't afford. So in other words, because of one decision that we've made or one way that we've lived, we let it define what we do in the future. Yeah, and it's easy to know when some of this is happening because you'll often hear people use phrases like, I really don't want to keep paying for this, but I've already spent this much on it. I may as well finish it now. Or sometimes if it's a time thing, they'll say something like, I really don't want to keep doing this or, or going this direction, but I've already come this far, so I may as well keep going. That's when sunk cost is really coming into play and affecting your decision. So let's talk about this. I've heard it called the sunk cost bias and a sunk cost fallacy. So is there an Is there a difference? Like, what is fallacy? Well, I think, so fallacy, just Googling it, says it's a mistaken belief, especially one based on an unsound argument, which makes sense with sunk cost, because as we're going to talk about, it doesn't always make sense to base your future decisions on something that you did in the past. And I think sometimes it's called a bias because um, there's a whole group or listing of, of cognitive biases that we as humans have, and this just happens to be one of them that we all have to deal with. And I guess even though our decisions might be biased based on what we've done in the past, they're not necessarily wrong. So Right. It's not necessarily wrong or a bias doesn't mean it's necessarily wrong. It's just the way we lean. Yeah. Uh, Whereas the sunk cost fallacy really plays into this idea that no, 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 like sunk cost most of the time um, is not helpful in making a decision. So really what it comes down to is we want to be aware that the sunk cost bias exists and make sure that it's not interfering with our ability to make good decisions. Exactly. And so now that we've kind of defined the sunk cost bias or fallacy or whatever you want to call it, we can move into where it actually shows up. And so maybe the most common place that we've all seen this happen is with cars. And Nick and I actually saw this firsthand. We were in a Bible study group that decided to do a financial peace university course. And it just so happened that like two weeks before we started it, this couple in the course had gone out and bought their brand new dream Jeep, which of course they did not have the cash to pay for. So they had taken out a car loan. And if you know anything about Dave Ramsey, that is 100% anti-Dave Ramsey rules. 
So they instantly were faced with this decision of, oh my gosh, we just bought this Jeep, but it, it goes against all this new you know, financial wisdom that we're trying to implement in our lives. So what are we going to do? Are we going to keep this Jeep? Or are we going to sell it? It was just ironic how they had just joined the course after the, making this pretty big financial decision and all of a sudden are immediately faced with this you know, sunk cost decision that they've got to make. So on the one hand, you've got this brand new Jeep, you've already bought it, you can choose to keep it and keep making the payments on it and just know that in the future, you're not going to go out and buy a car like that again. Or you can decide that this was not a wise purchase. And even though I just made it two weeks ago, I'm going to completely change courses, sell this sucker and buy a car that I can actually pay cash for. And surprisingly, even though the second choice, I think we would probably all agree is objectively the wise decision to make. If you do that, most people in your life are probably going to cringe and be shocked at what you just did. Yeah, like you just bought this Jeep and now you're getting rid of it all of a sudden. Yeah, how could you possibly take that Jeep back? You were all excited about it, you know, whatever. And I know you can't really take it back. You got to sell it and whatever. But yeah, so people have this gut reaction and, and almost make you feel like you're doing the wrong thing when a lot of times it's actually wiser than the original decision that you made that brought you to the sunk cost bias in the first place. Yeah, and we're going to talk about this in a second, but you can see it here. A lot of the time, even if you're making the quote-unquote the wise decision and not letting sunk costs kind of affect you, that doesn't mean that you're not going to have to make sacrifices because I don't remember the exact numbers. This has been so long ago for their situation, but I seem to remember you're going to take a hit, right? You drove the Jeep off the lot. You're initially going to take that depreciation. So even if they were to turn around and sell it, they're going to take a little bit of a loss. Yeah, they won't recoup all their They're money. not going to recoup yeah. at all. However, if you think about... If you think about what they lose in interest. Yeah. So if you think about you know the five or seven year loan that they took out and the amount of interest they were going to have to pay over the lifetime of that Jeep versus, like you said, taking it and going and buying a three or $4,000 Honda Civic or something like that that they can actually afford. Um, they're going to be way better off in the be, long run. Absolutely. Yeah. So cars is kind of the first and most obvious place that this sunk cost really affects our decisions. But another place that really affects us, and I think this is especially true in today's internet world and the way that the job market is, is our career. And that's because so many of us think that we are going to you know, go to school and get a degree and then follow one career path. And then all of a sudden, whether it's early in our career, in the middle of our career, or sometimes even later in our career, we need to make a change or want to make a change. But we spent all this time and effort and money on one path, and we have a really hard time switching that path to go try and do something else. And this is something that Hannah and I have actually both done, um, despite thinking that we were going to be in a career path for a very long time. Um, So I started, I, I went to school for Uh, mechanical engineering. And for some reason, my senior year of high school, I decided that getting an engineering degree was kind of the smart and the right thing for me to do. So I went to school and enrolled in mechanical engineering. And I I really didn't question it. I did have one period in there where I thought about doing something else. But ultimately, I came back around to, you know, quote, unquote, my senses. And I got the engineering degree. And it wasn't until after I graduated and got my full time job, that I really questioned that decision and questioned if it was um, exactly the that I wanted to take and needed to take. Ultimately, for me, I chose not to, and I started doing some freelance work on the side and and ended up being able to leave engineering down the road. But the initial decision was extremely difficult because for five years, my senior year of high school and all through college, uh, being an engineer was what I was supposed to do. That's 
that's a, was the path I was on. And I spent a lot of time, effort, and money going to college and doing everything and pursuing this field uh, that ultimately I was almost immediately deciding I needed to get out of. And all through our dating and engagement and the first part of our marriage, that was the plan, too. So when Nick first came to me and said that he really wasn't totally sure about the whole engineering thing and he thought he might want to change courses, I was kind of flabbergasted and had the initial response that we talk about people having. Like, what are you talking about? You can't switch from that. I think it was particularly hard at that time because we had gotten married. So we got married and I was a junior in college uh, and you were starting physical therapy school. And so we were really right in the middle of those decisions. And we got married kind of under the pretense that, hey, in 10 months, I'm going to have this, you know, well-paying job and I'm going to be able to support us and take care of everything. And sure enough, that's what happened. But then just a couple of months after that, you know, we'd been married for what, like a year, I guess. Yeah. Um, if that. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm, I'm coming to you and saying, hey, uh, I think I might want to do something different. Um, and so here you are, newly married. And all of a sudden, you know, everything we had planned on is maybe changing. Yeah. So in that scenario, you know, you obviously made that change just based on a choice that you wanted to make. But I think there's a lot of scenarios that people are faced with where they don't have a choice in it. So um, one great example of this is Pat Flynn. And if you're not familiar with Pat Flynn, he's awesome. You should check out his website, um, smartpassiveincome.com. But he talks a lot about this in his book, Let Go. So um, in 2008, he was laid off from his architecture job. And he had to make the decision of whether to continue pursuing architecture or whether to continue pursuing online business. And he explains how he got started in the online business space and everything. But ultimately, he knew he could make more money and have a more satisfying lifestyle. And really, everything about the online business space aligned more with his goals. But it was still hard for him to let go of this architecture goal that he had held on to for so long. So sometimes things just happen in our life uh, that kind of force us into the decision. And it's still hard to not get carried away by the sunk cost bias. Absolutely. And that's kind of what I was alluding to when I said, you know, like in this day and age and in this world, I mean, how many people do we know that are today working jobs that literally didn't exist 10 years ago? And so you have to kind of approach your career, I think, with this mindset of not letting sunk costs hold you back or not letting what you thought you were going to do hold you back because the world is changing so fast and you have no clue what your role in any company is going to look like 15 years from now. And there's just there's just so many options out there now. Like you, you really are doing yourself a disservice when you're not willing to change directions. Absolutely. And I think for, you know, maybe you should even share some of your story because sunk cost, I think, was even harder for you in your career because your path took so much longer to get to because you had bachelor's degree, but then you also had grad school that you had to deal with. Um, so it felt even more like you were throwing this wasted time away. Yeah. So I went to school for physical therapy. So you've got a three or a four year degree and then a three year degree. So obviously, I mean, that's a lot of time and that's a lot of money. And um, Nick and I were both super blessed as far as having help from family and then having scholarships and then uh, Nick just being able to work a lot of overtime to keep us from going into student loan debt. So that was awesome and gave us a lot more flexibility. But um, ultimately, you know, we got married. Nick graduated with his engineering degree and worked as an engineer uh, while I finished PT school. And then when I finished PT school, I started working as a travel physical therapist, which allowed us to transition into the Airstream lifestyle. 
Um, And it also allowed Nick to step away from his full-time engineering job and really pursue freelancing full-time and working on Mapped Out Money. So that transition worked out great. And really, I planned on being in travel physical therapy for at least five years and possibly longer, and then really thought that I would transition into a permanent job when we stopped traveling. So shortly after I started my job, things really started picking up for Nick. And ultimately, we were faced with this decision of he needed to hire somebody to help him. And, um, you know, he asked if I would want to fill that role, and it would give us more flexibility and travel and um, kind of kind of help us work towards some of the bigger goals we have long term for our life. And um, at first, I had a really hard time thinking about leaving PT just because I had invested so much time in it. And it was hard to imagine stepping away. But ultimately, uh, it was what I was feeling led to do. It was what um, fit our lifestyle better. And uh, it was really what was best for our marriage and, and just our relationship in general. So I feel like, you know, we've made that transition. And even though a lot of people, you know, will question like, well, what a waste. You have this PT degree and you don't even use it. But the reason that we try to manage our money well and make wise decisions in all areas of our life is so that we have flexibility. And so this is no exception. So, you know, at that point in time, I stepped away from physical therapy and have been helping Nick, and we haven't regretted that since, but we always have flexibility, and we can always go back to engineering and physical therapy if we feel led to do so. Yeah, I think another maybe important point to make here is the point on self-awareness and kind of knowing yourself, and one thing that neither of us really knew about ourselves until after we got married and started exploring some of these ideas was both of us actually, in our own right, have really bad problem with tunnel vision, and what I mean when I say that is that we both really let sunk costs affect us. Both you and I made decisions when we were younger that we're going to follow this career path. I made it my senior year of high school. You made it like way younger, right? Yeah. How old were you? Like I was seventh grade, went to physical therapy and decided like, yeah, okay, like this is a respectable thing that I could do. I'll work towards that. That's what I should do. Just always did that and didn't question it at all. Yeah. So what? I got through PT school. Eighth eighth grade, all of high school, it's five years plus another seven years of like, that's 12 years of you going, like, I'm going to be a physical therapist and literally never questioning that. You know, and then, like I said earlier, I did the same thing with engineering. And so with us, we've learned, and we we actually let sunk cost affect us really badly in our careers because we made decisions and then we said, we're going to follow these decisions through and really never picked our heads up out of the sand to actually look around and go, you know, do I actually want this decision that I made? Even in undergrad, if I ever was interested in something, I I never really paid that much attention to it because I was like, oh, well, I'm going to physical therapy school and that's that doesn't align with this. So Yeah, well, and you've already spent two years doing it or yeah. you spent three years or four years and, yep. and that time adds up. Then all of a sudden you let that really start affecting you. But another place where sunk costs can really affect you, which is where you live or houses in general. Most people find themselves in a situation, maybe they're in a city that they don't love anymore or maybe they're in a house that they don't love anymore or an apartment or they have some sort of living situation that at one time they thought they would really like and now they are no longer happy with or suited their needs really well yeah or suited their needs because your needs change absolutely and so i think you see especially like people in really big houses that you know at one point in their life they really needed and served a really good purpose for them and their family And maybe now uh, it's just kind of like, well, I'm already here and I'd have to move all my stuff and, you know, think about where I wanted to move and find a new house and all this stuff. You know, there's all this uh, 
work that goes into finding yeah, somewhere else to live. Yeah, there's a ton of inertia to it. Yeah. So I think you see people really struggling and maybe, you know, continuing to pay more in a mortgage than they really need to or struggling to take care of space that really doesn't even suit their needs anymore and and just as a burden on their life and yet they're they're just you know afraid or unwilling to change yeah well or it's just the phrase of well this is what i've always done yeah. or this is this is where we've been so why Falling would i change into this now cost bias yeah and so wh- how many times did we <laughs> we moved uh what three four how many times did we move uh before we i used to say a joke that we moved three times in the first three years of our marriage or something like that yeah and so we finally just got smart and, and moved into something with wheels on it um and for us moving has been a big thing where sunk cost luckily we were able to kind of push through that and just say well we thought we were going to be here a while but it doesn't make sense for our needs or where we're at in our life so we're gonna you know go through that pain of moving but that's a i think that's a huge area where sunk cost you know really does play a role and one thing we want to get into before we jump into kind of some practical ideas for pushing through the sunk cost is I want to make sure that we talk about balance because right now we've been talking about, you know, pushing through sunk cost and not letting it hold you back to make whatever decision it is that you want to make. Um, but I, I want to make sure we approach that with a healthy amount of, but you can't always just look at what you want and just go and do that. Uh, there's plenty of times where you're going to have to sacrifice now for the long term, and that means dealing with something that you're really not happy with in order to pursue what you want. It doesn't mean you always get to do everything you want, but it does mean that you don't you know, want to let sunk cost hold you back. So essentially, we're not talking about instant gratification and going after exactly what you want right this second. It's more of a curation of your long-term goals and the decisions you're making right now and whether those two things are lining up. And most of the time, certainly what we found is that oftentimes when you make a decision and push through that sunk cost, it actually ends up requiring more sacrifice than doing the comfortable thing, which is staying you know, in the path that you currently were moving. Kind of like the, the Jeep example we were using earlier, where when you sell the Jeep, you are going to take a hit and that's going to take some sacrifice in order to do it. You're going to take a hit and you're going to drive a lot less cool car. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're going to totally. <laughs> and all of a sudden. You lose your wow factor. You Well, and with that one, that one's even more interesting because literally everybody at work all of a sudden knows that you've probably just bought this Jeep, you've been talking about it, you've been telling everybody about it, and then two weeks later in this you know couple situation, uh, they would all of a sudden come back into work and not have the Jeep. Yeah, what's that saying? You eat your, what are you, what is it? Eat you your, eat your own words? Well, not eating your own words. I thought it was something else. Eat crow? Yeah, eat crow. Isn't that what that means? I, I don't know what that means. Okay. <clears throat> I think maybe it means that. That sounds right. Yeah, I'm just going to look it up just to clear clear up exactly what that means. Okay. So to eat crow is to be humiliated by having to admit one's defeats or mistakes. And yeah. that's totally true. Yeah, no, like, you that's did that embarrassing. Right. Yeah, that's embarrassing you to hit have the to go into work and be like, yeah, I was all excited. I bought this Jeep. But in reality, I couldn't afford it. That's a hard thing to admit. That's a super hard thing to admit. And that can be embarrassing. But I feel like we're all probably in the same boat. And everybody understands that. And it's really refreshing when somebody's honest about it. Oh, it's extremely refreshing when someone's honest about it. So we've kind of talked about several different areas that you see sunk cost bias. And I feel like everybody can kind of look at their own life and find certain things that fall into that category. So the question really becomes, well, what do you do about it? And how do you make sure that it's not keeping you from making good decisions? How do you deal with it? 
And so for us, we've kind of mapped out three steps that we think will be really helpful for you when you're trying to make a decision that somehow has some aspect of sunk cost associated with it. And for us, that step number one really starts with kind of what we're calling the objective test. And this is this is a rule of thumb, so it's not, um, it's not meant to be the end-all, be-all test, but it's a good place to start. And essentially, here's how you do it. You ask yourself that if you had the money in your hand right now that you've spent on this item, whether it's your house or it could be your time, right? It could be time towards your career. But if you have what you've spent, time or money, right now, and you also have the item, would you again make that decision? Would you say, this is worth it. I'm going to buy this thing and that's 100% what I want. Or would you say, no, I would I would actually keep the money. I would not make that decision again. And if the answer is I would keep the money, then that means you probably need to make a different decision, get rid of it, sell the item, move on, change careers, whatever it is. Uh, or if it is, no, I still want that thing. I would still spend the money or the time on it. Then great. Then keep doing that and, and don't feel like you need to make a different decision. But it's not always that clear cut. And so you always have to take time to really examine your motivations for making a decision. So obviously, when you're faced with the dilemma of selling the Jeep or keeping the Jeep, there's there's going to be part of you that really wants to keep the cool Jeep and have the, you know, the really nice car instead of buying a junker that you can pay cash for. But you have to really be intentional about what your long term goals are and figuring out how to make decisions now without being impacted by the sunk cost bias that are going to help you achieve your goals in the future. Absolutely. And and that's why it's a good place to start, right? It's a good rule of thumb. It's not the end-all be-all because just like I said, there's also some nuance to this, meaning it's not that you use this test to regret past decisions that you make. I don't actually regret uh, getting an engineering degree um, and doing what I did because that engineering degree set us up for a lot of other things that we've now been able to do. I mean, one of the main freelance jobs that I now work, uh, they gave me that job, even though it's not an engineering job, it's technical in nature. And they gave me that job in part because I said, I do have a background in engineering. And even though a lot of people look at our situation and think that our degrees were wasted, that is 100% not true. And if you know anything about our situation, like each step has led us to where we are right now. And I don't think we would be in the Airstream and doing the work that we do without me being in physical therapy school and you being in, in engineering because we wouldn't have transitioned to travel. Exactly. So there's a healthy balance between regretting what you've done in the past and then just saying, no, what I've done in the past is good and fine, but it's not the decision that I need to make going forward. So what happened in the past really has no bearing on my decision now. And that's kind of the goal of this objective test is you simply say, okay, knowing what I know now or given what I am given now, would I still continue in engineering? And the answer for me was no. And for us, you know, knowing what we know now, would we still want to live in this city? And the answer for us was no. It's accepting that some things that you thought were going to be permanent might just be stepping stones and not like your ultimate end destination. Exactly. So that's the objective test. You start there and you work down. After you've done the objective test and you kind of have at least a gut decision of whether or not you're going to do something different or continue along the same path or keep whatever item it is, uh, you move on to outlining the upside versus the sacrifice that you're going to have to make for whatever this new direction is. So 
A couple of examples would be when you're changing a career, you might have an increased amount of happiness and fulfillment. That probably is a big reason why you're changing careers, but it might mean taking some lower income for a few years or maybe even for your whole life if it's a massive career change. And that's kind of what we did. We we think that our change in careers isn't going to have a lifetime impact on our income, but it absolutely had an immediate impact on our income. We took a pretty major income hit when I left the engineering field, and then we took another income hit when you left physical therapy so that we could both kind of, you know, work on this business and and freelancing together. But it also had a much more increased renewed sense of happiness and fulfillment for us, and we were willing to make the sacrifice of lower income for a little while we work things out. So another example is moving cities. So obviously you have the struggle of trying to move all your stuff and the trouble of trying to find a new place to move into. And a lot of times we have an emotional attachment to whatever house we've been in. So that's hard too. Um, But the long-term upside could be that, you know, you're going to save money and be in a house that you can afford more easily and it might be more accessible to you. Maybe you need something that's handicap accessible and you can live in for the rest of your life. And um, so that's a pretty big upside. So it's just balancing all that out. And again, like we've been talking about through most of this episode, um, selling your car is an obvious example. You've got the pain of selling your car and the objective loss. Like you literally may take a monetary hit when you sell your car uh, versus the long-term upside, which is it's a longer-term wiser decision if you can get that car loan paid off and then have more money that you can either use to attack your other debts or money that you can use to actually invest into the stock market for the long-term. So your long-term upside is, you know, theoretically a lot more, you have to sit down and run the numbers, even though the immediate sacrifice uh, is really, really difficult. So this is why this step is so crucial. You have to outline the upside of whatever action you're about to take versus the sacrifice that it requires. So to really successfully complete step number two and kind of this sunk cost bias assessment, I think you really have to accept seasons of life and recognize that, you know, our life continues to change And it's okay for something to fit in in one season and not in another. And that, you know, we just have to accept that and be grateful for that thing while it did fit in our life and then move on and make a decision that works better for us in the future. I think that point is kind of crucial in this whole conversation is recognizing what season you're in right now. I I really like the way you said that. Okay, so step three in our sunk cost bias assessment is to focus on what you want your life to look like. So this isn't what somebody else thinks your life should look like because they don't have to live with the choices that you're making. You do. And so anytime somebody's trying to impact the decision you're making, you always have to weigh that and remember that ultimately you're the one who's going to live with that decision every single day. And this is the this is the hardest one, right? Because especially when we're making big decisions that people feel like they should have an opinion on, right? Whether this is when, if you should have kids uh, and whether you should birth those kids yourselves or adopt kids, uh, when and where to buy a house, when and where to get a job or follow a career. Like, unfortunately, a lot of the biggest decisions that have sunk cost in them are also decisions that everybody else in our life thinks that they should tell us what they think we should do, yep. even though they don't have to live with those decisions. Yeah, This is something that we've really struggled with. We've been very lucky in that both of our parents actually have been really supportive of the decisions that we've made that seem kind of abnormal. But that doesn't mean everybody in our life has been. Certainly, that's not been the case at all, which is tough. Absolutely. So we have lots of people who, you know, 
almost as soon as we were in the Airstream, we're like, well, yeah, but when are you going to buy a house? And when are you going to settle down? And I mean, aren't y'all about ready to have kids? I mean, you know, what are you doing? And I just, and that's why I always try to go back to the point of it doesn't really matter because sure, if we go have kids and buy a house right now, they don't have to take care of that house. They don't have to take care of those kids. People are really good at having opinions on things that don't impact them. Exactly. And that's why this step, step number three, is really the one that you have to kind of repeat over and over and over again, because every time you make a decision like this, especially if it's a decision that looks different from what everybody else is doing or thinking, you're going to be faced with other people's opinions on a regular basis. So you have to constantly revisit this idea of, hey, but, you know, Bob at work and his opinion about what car I drive or what house I live in or when I have kids or whatever, it doesn't matter because he doesn't have to live with that decision, I do. Step number three is getting really solid on why you're making the decisions you're making and holding firm to that no matter what anybody else thinks. And I think it's really easy to get swayed in scenarios like this. And Nick and I faced people, you know, as soon as Nick graduated, people thought that we would go out and buy new cars because we both drive beater cars. But we love our beater cars and they serve the purpose that they need to serve. And we don't really care enough about cars to put a lot of money into them. And um, but if we didn't if we didn't think about that and know that we're trying to do bigger things down the road than those people know about, then we might go, heck, yeah, why don't we go buy new cars? You know, yeah, that's what everybody else is doing. Yeah. The whole goal of all three of these steps is to essentially just renew your focus on that direction and on that why that Hannah just mentioned. And once you get really clear on the direction you're headed, it becomes pretty darn obvious whether or not a certain purchase or decision is going to fit into that direction. All right, so to do a quick wrap-up, which I think is something we're going to try and do every episode. We like wrap-ups. We, we like to, like, taking notes in college. Exactly. you got to so. summarize the whole thing. So, yeah. you know, what's the whole point here? What, what do we want you to walk away with? And I think it starts with to recognize when sunk cost is actually affecting you, whether it's a decision you're making based on time or with money, and then to do the three steps. So number one is that objective test, um, just a quick rule of thumb, gut check. Would you make this decision today given the money or the time that you've already put into it? Number two is kind of outlining the pros and the cons of what the upside looks like if you do make that decision and push through the sunk cost versus the sacrifices that you're going to have to make along the way. And finally, just kind of knowing and focusing on your why and really figuring out how the decisions that you're making right now are guiding you towards your long-term goals for your life. So hopefully you've gotten something out of this episode. And if you did, we would love it if you would please subscribe to this podcast in whatever podcast app or player you are currently listening to this in. And then we also wanted to tell you about our worksheet that we're going to be doing with this episode. So if you go to mappedoutmoney.com forward slash 002, you can download the worksheet, which will have an area for you to work through these three steps with whatever big decision you are currently thinking about in your life. Which I think sometimes if you're like trying to make a decision with a spouse or something, it can kind of be helpful to have something that guides you through that process a little bit. Oh, absolutely. And especially going back to what we said earlier, if it's a decision that people in your life are going to think is really stupid or not understand and push back, it'd be nice for you to have some formulated thoughts as to why you're making this decision. So we hope that'll be really helpful. All right, that's it, guys. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. See you later.